You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. everybody, this is Chuck Marone. Welcome back to the Strong Towns Podcast. We're standing once again in the lobby of the Detroit Opera House. Jeanette said at Con Session just got out, and this place is a madhouse. She brought the house down. She brought the house down. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that is the excited voice of the executive director. Is it is it CEO? Or, I always get it wrong. Like CEO, is that what it's it is? President and CEO. President and CEO. Lynn Richards. <laughs> Welcome back. To anything. Thank you, Chuck, so much for having me. I am just thrilled again that you're set up and ground zero of, uh, of seeing you and uh, doing your podcast. Hey, you and your staff made it happen. So thank you so much. This is Your staff has been fantastic to work with. They helped get me set up. They lined me up with some people that I, I couldn't necessarily reach myself. And they were, they were great. So you have a great team and doing an awesome job. No, thank you very much. I know they're awesome, and I, 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 we couldn't do what we do without them, number one. But number two, seeing you, the movement, the organization can't do what it wants to do without the cooperation and the collaboration from a number of organizations like Strong Towns. I yeah. consider you guys to be one of our strongest partners. Well, thank you. I, I, that makes me so happy. I want to start this podcast by it's just saying... It's a mutual saying, love fest. It is a mutual love fest. <laughs> <laughs> I want to start by saying... Wow. This is your third CNU that you and I have sat down. This is the CNU I've been waiting for all my life. Are you feeling that from people too? I mean, it's the place, it's the venue, it's the way you set it up, it's the speakers, it's the format. This is the CNU that I've been waiting for. React to that. Is that... <laughs> Wow, Chuck, you have you have rendered me almost speechless. Which, <laughs> for anyone who knows me, is is uh, uh, thank you. I, I really appreciate this. Is I have been going to conferences like this for the last twenty years. It's not me. We designed CNU twenty four in Detroit to be the conference and the congress that we would want to attend. Right? I love to get out and explore the city. So we have. We have more than a thousand people signed up for tours and workshops that are out on the street, walking, experiencing the city in the only way urbanists can do. The essence by bike, of a new by foot, yeah. by, by bus. We are all over deployed throughout. We have amazing speakers like Jeanette Seda Khan, Jonathan Rose, Mitch Silver, and just wait till this afternoon. We have sessions which aren't talking about general design standards, but really getting into the nitty gritty of how do you do something? How do you move the conversation? And for those who are brand new to new urbanism or to placemaking, on Wednesday we had a whole series of core sessions that would ground you in the principles and enable you to go out. And what's the most important thing when you have a conference or a congress like this? The interactions between people. So we've activated the parking lot outside. We've brought in the food trucks. We try to create as many different natural places where people can just sit down and have a conversation. I've been going from place to place because we're not in a convention center. We're in this opera house, but this is one of how many different venues? Eight or nine? You, you've got venues in Canada. 11. 
11 <laughs> venues. We have 11 venues. But again, what do we like to do? We like to experience beautiful places. We right. like to be in an architecture that inspires. So why, when we have our annual gathering, are we in convention centers that were designed in the 1970s? Right. Why, when we need to be innovative and inspiring, we're locked into into uh, what's a windowless rooms yeah. and chairs staring at a podium. Let's have spaces that inspire us. Let's bring in speakers that inspire us. Let's build the energy so we can move, invest in ourselves so we can have the energy and the inspiration to build and continue the momentum for the next 12 months till we meet again. Well, I, I feel like we've, as new urbanists, descended on this place and it's like ants. They're just crawling everywhere. I, I walk back to my hotel. I walk to the next venue. I go out to grab a, a, a Mountain Dew. I can't help but run into compadres out there on the street all over and and they're they're doing the things new urbanists do they're checking out the sidewalk and checking out the buildings but they're also having that humanity rub up against each other a lot of the cool stories that i've heard so far have been people like mitch today in his presentation who had the photos of the detroit woman the the woman from here that like let me show you around my neighborhood you don't get that in a convention center. You only get that in a setup like this. I can't say enough about how awesome this is. That makes it all worth it. Again, it's the staff who has done most of the work. I will tell you, it's been hard. Yeah. Oh no, I'm. <laughs> and it, it uh, but be I think easy it's to totally. I think it's totally worth it. I mean, we get together once a year. Um, a lot of the work that we're doing is hard. This is our opportunity to not only re reengage and re-energize amongst ourselves, but also an opportunity to introduce newcomers to what we're all about. So let's put our best foot forward. At first, I thought the red dots on the badges for first timers was like a, a, a scarlet letter like oh like I'm not sure and now what I have found myself like Daniel here this is his first CNU here's what I found myself doing Daniel here, come I'm, in, come I'm in. Chuck Marone Hi. oh <laughs> drop the mic it's very nice to meet you, good to meet you. welcome to the CNU are you enjoying yourself oh yeah you having a good time? I'm, I'm definitely having a good time. What's your highlight so far? Highlight so far? There's a lot. I got So I'm um, born and raised in Metro Detroit, and one of the coolest things has been meeting so many urbanists, the people that I've looked up to, and come here and tell us that they're enjoying what they see, that they're having a good time, that, that Detroit is alive and that, well. That and we love it here. Yeah, that's it's been really, really good to hear that. It um, it's the kind of thing you want you want those people to to say that to all our friends. So you, I want to like take you guys home and say like, can you tell my mom this? Can you tell my dad this? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Thanks, yeah. man. I don't want you to lose your place in line, but so to me, like my immediate reaction was, oh, you know, I'm not. But now I find like when I see someone with a red dot, I want to be the new urbanist ambassador to them. Like, hey. Welcome. What? I'm so happy you're here. Is that the plan? <laughs> Gestures don't play well on a podcast. <laughs> no, Chuck, I'm so glad that you brought that up. That was exactly the plan. You know, I've been attending CNU. I've been attending CNU congresses for the last, oh, I think since 2002. I recently checked my presentation file and my first CNU presentation was in 2002. And I'm sorry to say that by and large, I didn't find it to be a welcoming place. Like I knew a couple of people and uh, yes. they would say hello. And, and I just kind of like shuffled between the sessions and would sit and listen and take 
you know, pages and pages of notes. I kept coming back because the content was amazing. But that's not who new urbanists are. I have found them to be the most welcoming and friendly group. When I became the head of the organization, I was humbled by all the offers of help and, and, and how I felt like I was taken into the family. And yet that's not what everybody else experiences. So we started these red dots last year as a way to, to activate everybody, to reach out, because we are a welcoming movement. Right. We are a welcoming organization. And let's do what we can. And it's been a huge success, yeah, I, I, I think, anyway. Talk a little bit about Detroit. You know, we did Buffalo two years ago. I thought that was incredible. We did Dallas last year. And we weren't in, I mean, we got into the nitty-gritty of Dallas. You know, Dallas has a Dallas has a glitzy part, but it also has a gritty part. And we spent a lot of time in the gritty part of Dallas, and I, I love that. But here, you know, I, I've been to Detroit, I think this is my fifth time in the last couple of years, engaging in, in one way or another, and I've seen this place change rapidly. I have to say, even with my scant familiarity, I'm blown away by what, what is around us. Why was it important for you, for the board, to be here in Detroit? We really felt that Detroit had a story to tell. I mean, that that's again what CNU is trying to do, is to go to cities where it's not only important to see what's going on in that city, to see the revitalization, to struggle, to, to see up close and personal the issues surrounding that city. But, but in addition, what are the lessons that we can take from Detroit and apply in our, in our own areas? So looking at just Detroit, you have tremendous type of, of leadership issues, right? Uh, and governance. Right. You had philanthropic interests. You had uh, private sector stepping up to do the role that generally the public sector had played. That's just not happening in Detroit. That's happening in cities across the country. Let's let's struggle with that a little bit. Let's play with that. What does that mean? What does that mean for placemaking in Albuquerque, New Mexico? What does that mean for placemaking in San Jose, etc.? Right. So you've got that piece of it. You also have a transitioning economy from one that it was industrial based to something else. And again, you're seeing that all through out the Rust Belt. And then you've got this issue of a shrinking city. Detroit is 170 square miles, and it has the population density of around, to, to sustain anywhere from 10 to 20 square miles, depending on who you talk to. Well, how do you go about that de-densification? And, and what's, what's the equitable way to do it? And then finally, the, the piece that I find most interesting, and that's what a lot of our speakers today on Jane Day are discussing, are the, the, the social equity issues. So so as a for example, there's so much affordable housing now in Detroit. And so how, what can we suggest to the local government? What are the policies, the design strategies that you want to put in place now? Because 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you may not have that housing stock, as crazy as it may seem. So there are issues that are being played out in Detroit that are applicable in almost every city across the United States. And that's what's so exciting about it. And I'll tell you something else. While you're blown away by what has happened here, yeah. 
this is a microcosm of, or it's a small area. On tomorrow, on Saturday, the Congress participants are going to be deployed to the 10 districts of Detroit, and you'll see stuff that isn't so shiny, that isn't so polished, that actually want to engage of how they can create that momentum to reach the revitalization of, of downtown and midtown. I want to talk about the equity issue just a bit. I come from central Minnesota. We have a lot of diversity. We have Norwegians and Swedes and occasional Finn. <laughs> so, you know, we embrace a broad diversity of, of, of Norwegian, you know, Lutherans and Catholics. Um, <laughs> when, when we look at the new urbanism back in the early days, it was largely about a reaction to the, the suburbs. And the demographic of the new urbanism very early on and over the years has tended to be a lot like me. You know, look, look a lot like smart, intelligent, <laughs> probing, well, innovative. I will, I will take that change but, maker. But from a, <laughs> those are all flattering. From a demographic standpoint, we we have tended to be a very uh, white, educated, kind of you know middle upper middle class type of movement. Yet, I see us here not only having these conversations that that really need to go on around the country. But I see us also at, at this Congress more than even any other I've seen doing a better job listening to people who, and not that we haven't done that in the past, but I think being very intentional about, okay, talk to us about your city. Talk to us about your place. Talk to us about what you're experiencing. I feel that that's an important part of what you're trying to do here. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Sure, absolutely. I want to start with where you started, where CNU, what the roots were for the founding of CNU. Because 25 years ago, that's where the conversation was. How do we change the, the pattern of development? How do we change the conversation? And the bulk of the development that was occurring was in the suburbs, and that's why we started there. Is there a better way to develop our suburbs? And that was exactly where we needed to be. But like any movement, it is a time for evolution. And as we have moved from the suburbs and the traditional neighborhood development into the cities of doing transit-oriented development, of doing infill, of, of how to revitalize entire corridors, it's now an opportunity, and it's just for us to take on the more complex issues of how do we invest and revitalize a neighborhood that raises everybody up. Because a little bit of gentrification is exactly what is needed in some areas. But there's a, a tipping point. And right now, there's not a single conversation that is happening in any organization or any foundation or any company or group of people that are working on these issues that aren't now struggling with this issue of social justice and equity. And I think Mitch Silver said it best, while, while it has been in our social consciousness for the last several decades, now is the time for addressing it. And we have the last 25 years of experience of working in communities, collaboratively, listening. We are uniquely positioned through all of our skill sets to take this on head on. And I have been so... Uh, buoyed. I have been so impressed uh, and so proud of the members of just saying, yeah, this is this is what we're doing. So many folks have given me the credit of saying, thank you so much for incorporating this into our strategic plan. Thank you so much, Lynn, for taking this on. But honestly, the members were already there. They were leading, and I was just able to capture that and, and package it, and again, to accelerate their efforts. And I think that's an important point. This is happening in every single city across the United States. The public space 
spaces for the people. As Jeanette Sedekhan just said, it's in the public domain, and that is the most democratic form of the built environment. And if we can't make that accessible to everybody, then what are we doing as urbanists? When you go to the charter and you read the, the CNU charter, right up front, we're about cities and we're about urban neighborhoods and we're about people. I really feel like this place, more than any that I, I think I've been to as part of the new urbanism, is a place where we've really embraced that part of it. There's been a lot of talk of architecture here and there's been a lot of talk about the standard CNU stuff. But this whole Jane's Day thing it is, uh, in a sense, mind-blowing after mind-blowing after mind-blowing. It's been, it's been a great lineup of people, no? What, t talk a little bit about the idea of Jane's Day and the, the format that you've done. How do you get all these great speakers, one after another? Oh, yeah, I haven't slept much, uh, nor, <laughs> nor is my staff. It's interesting that you say, how did, it, how did we get all of these great speakers? It felt to me, again, I, I, so much humbleness and gratitude that so many folks, once they asked, said, absolutely. I'm not going to tell you the number of speakers today that asked us if they could present. Wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was just incredible. So many of these, so many of the speakers today came out from conversations that I was having um, with them about some aspect of their work. And they're like, you know, Lynn, I would really love to present at CNU. And my jaw dropped. I'm like, <laughs> seriously? You, seriously? You like me? <laughs> like, you want to come? Like, absolutely. Do you like, like me? Yes, oh, no. Right? Okay. <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> All right. And so, you know, again, I think that the, I think. All of our partners are sensing that the time for the new urbanist movement, the time for the placemaking movement, the time for city builders is now. And everybody wants to up their game. Everybody wants to figure out how we can help one another because we will not win. We will not prevail. Um, we will not change the dominant form of development until we start working together as a movement. That, that is the buzz that I'm hearing in all the different meetings that I'm having with dozens of organizations and conference calls every single month. We have to start working together and collaborating as a movement. And so the fact that folks wanted to come and speak is just one indicator uh, of that willingness. And we have been responding in, in, absolute, in absolute force. Are we two and a half years now? Into Not even two. Not even two yet. July 1st will be, July I know 1st will be two this years. This is our third chat, but we chatted right at the very beginning right at, well, during the three transition. Weeks, three weeks before I took, before I took over. Okay, yeah. so we're almost two years. A lot of being the president of CEU is, is hurting cats. There's a lot of divas here. There's a lot of egos here. A lot of brilliant people. But a but, lot of love, too. Oh, my gosh. Deep love. And are, gratitude. Are you now through the... I know you're through the honeymoon phase, but are you are you also through the, you know, like I can't tell Andre something phase like where now I'm going to how much ownership are you feeling now of where we're going? I mean, I know, I know you're a sharing person and I know that part of what you bring is that humility to be able to to bring people together. But yet you're an accomplished person. You have ownership of this. How's your transition? How are you feeling now about where you're at? So th there's multiple ways to answer it. I, I, I will say this. About every six months, I take stock of, of where I am, and I look back at the previous six months. I was like, whoa, I didn't really know was, what... What was going on then? <laughs> yes, exactly. Lynn, like, six months ago, total freak. <laughs> <And> so, <for> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I do that all the time. 
so for the last uh, like year and a half, I've been saying to people, well, you know, I feel like I've got my sea legs under me. And it's so funny that I keep saying that because for me, both personally and professionally, I have experienced such growth both in trying to get my hands around the organization, trying to distinguish between what is the organization's role versus what is the movement's role. Right, and, right. And, and figuring out... Those are out, very hard. That's a very hard... Because the, the movement is way bigger than the organization. And that is our strength. It is a strength. That is absolutely our strength. Right. So what I like to say is I have 2,600 dues-paying members, and I have about another 5,000 people who consider themselves members who don't send me money. You should renew your membership. <laughs> and I PS, have, yes. PSA over, and I have your name and email. <laughs> um, uh, yet all of these folks are members and let's let a thousand flowers bloom let's set up a structure where they feel that they can go run as fast as they can and if they strike gold there's now an organization structure behind it that will accelerate and connect their efforts and and that's the beautiful that's the beautiful piece of it there is no other placemaking organization in the United States that has that power. Yeah. I don't need to set up a research division. I got 2,600 members that are constantly out there doing something. Amen. And if they fail, that's fine. If they say something off message, that's fine. It's like, whoop. I'm at arm's length. They're, right, they're the right. members. But if they strike gold, what do they want? They want their work to be known. And, and that's when I'm able to help them move it forward. And there's some great examples of that. You well, know, like let, I said, let me bring one up because uh, I'm friends with John Anderson. Last summer, they were getting the boot camp thing up and running. And, and we were kind of helping them do that. The idea was that, you know, we would help them with the first one and maybe with the second one. And, and, you know, they would do one or two of these a year. Well, I had John on the podcast yesterday. He said, we've done 12. <laughs> we have a whole bunch set up. A lot of that acceleration was a partnership with the CNU. Exactly. exactly. Talk a little bit about how those kind of things work. John wanted to do these boot camps and he needed some structural help. Like, can you help us set up a registration? It's like, yep, we got that internet. Can you put it out on, on, uh, on social media? Yep, we can do that. You know, we have 75,000, um, Twitter followers. You saw the website stats this afternoon. Our website hits are up almost 400%. We have a communication structure put out. You want us to, to let people know about what you're doing? Let us help you. And then the results, this is before he was able to develop his own web, website. We put up a web page. We dumped all of his materials as a resource. So almost overnight, he was up and running with, with the basics. We did that with a, you know, in a different example is the Sprawl Retrofit, which has been a CNU initiative for the last 10 years. We own that issue. We have Ellen Dunham Jones. We have June Williamson. We have Galena. We have the best thinkers on this issue. And then what happened last year, we were able to get grant funding as an organization and to take over Build a Better Burb website. All of a sudden now we are able to accelerate the pace of change of suburban retrofit backed by money to, to, to fundamentally change and support that initiative in a way that's never seen it. And that's just going and, and going off, right? You've got Dan Farolik's missingmiddle.com and what, as well as Eli Spivak's accessorydwellings.org. These are two individuals that A, I was able to introduce, but B, they're working together to provide design 
solutions to create more housing choices. And what, what does John have to do with Eli and with Dan is that they're all working to build more attainable neighborhoods because fundamentally we're about building places for people people for all, everyone, that this comes into the equity piece. And by tying together all of these member initiatives, we're able to see the bigger picture and to achieve these broader goals. And that's the power of the swarm. Yeah. What are you most excited about right now? Like what's the, that's kind of an unfair question because the Congress is such a crescendo. And then there's like the post Congress where I hope you and your son go take a break somewhere and, <laughs> and chill out and ride a bike, you know. Well, we're walking the, we're going to try to walk the Camino de Santiago. But, you know, I, I, I had a. Oh, no, I didn't notice. I had a bike accident two weeks ago. I'm off my crutches, but I'm gimping around with my knee brace. All right. Um, so th- there's two things that I'm actually most excited about. My, my poor staff, you know, it's like, okay, run it. It reminds me of my cross country coach. Okay, you need to attack the hills and then you need to really push, push when you're running downhill. Use that hill when you hit the flats just go all out right you kind of <laughs> it's like when do i rest no no you never rest <laughs> so um last night we received word from dot after 15 years of work we are now dot's partner on highway tearing down and reconnecting neighborhoods and the first workshop for that is scheduled and we'll hear more about this next week with dot is scheduled to start in early july fantastic wow so we're so going to hit the ground running on we're going to hit the ground running we'll be working with dot in four cities in July, wow. and then we will be putting, producing the reports and the tools in, in uh, the two or three months following that. And it's all got to be wrapped up by October fifteenth. Wow! Well, so congratulations. That, that, That's huge. That that is in my in my way of thinking an incredible opportunity to fundamentally move transportation reform forward. But just not transportation reform. It's about pulling together all the tools of CNU because it's just not about highway teardown. It's about reconnecting and repairing that urban fabric, which is what we what we bring. We're not only going to be bringing transportation engineers and transportation planners, but urban designers, affordable housing components. We're, DOT wanted us for our multidisciplinary approach, and that's what we're throwing at. So I'm incredibly excited about that and how we can position the issue going into the next administration. We also launched the project for Code Reform for this week, which again, I'm excited about. We have funding to do a three-day workshop in September in the state of Michigan to look at how to streamline the process of addressing multiple barriers. You've got, let's start with a simple question. Why can't we build the places we want to build? Right. Why can't we build this nice place again? Why can't we build this main street? Why can't we build a more compact, walkable, mixed-use place? There are a slew of different issues at the federal, state, and local level. So we're going to be attacking it in this collaborative workshop with the state at the state and local issue to see if we can't determine a streamlined process for systematically addressing the barriers using all the tools in the toolbox. It's just not about promoting either a form-based code or a smart code or a transect or anything along those lines. It's about using all the tools in our toolbox and then figuring out what tools we don't have and throwing at it. Our goal for that is to reach 45,000 of the local government zoning authorities in the next five years with information how to fundamentally streamline their process. Wow. That's a project for code reform. So those are just two of the things we're, no, those are we're huge. kind of excited about. And then as we started, this issue of equity and social justice is a constant theme that's running through all of our work. What does that mean? And I'm struggling with this. 
collaboratively with our board. What does it mean for our board, for our organization, for the movement? What does it mean for the speakers we have, for our members? How, how does it change the work that we do? So that's going to be another enormous priority moving forward. So those are the things I'm excited about. Awesome. We are going to be in Seattle next year. I know it's, it's probably brain overload to ask you about what's coming up, but if, if people on the Strong Towns podcast are getting their once a year CNU fix and we're going to try to, you know, coax them to come next year, which they, they really should. Is there any thoughts you can give about our trip to Seattle? Well, we've already been on the ground twice planning for Seattle. Okay. So as a, for example, Seattle, it will be CNU 25. So we, it will be so our one of those magic numbers. It's one of those magic numbers. So we're taking that as an opportunity, and that's exact also why we wanted to be in Seattle in the Pacific Northwest. So not only will we be doing a little look back of where CNU, the movement, has been over the last 25 years, but then looking ahead for the next 25 years in city building or in placemaking, in new urbanism. I'm not trying to get hung up in the terms about what are those issues. And several, I want to have a series of presentations where we start 25 years in the future and you present what I did on transportation reform in my community. What did I do for housing? And you, and it's almost a look back of this is where I landed and this is how I got there. And so we've started that work um, actually yesterday with the theory of change, um, which will help us to identify what are those subject areas. I think next year will be really exciting because in so many ways it will help lay the, the roadmap of where we're going to go, not only as an organization, but as a movement. What do you want your son to be? And it's not really fair, but any idea what he wants to be and what you would like aspire to him as he gets older? Because he's right in the age of my oldest and she right now wants to be an attorney. I have no idea why. I think it's because her mom tells her she's good at arguing. <laughs> so she has a, a misconstrued sense of what attorneys do. But I'm, you know, whatever. That's, that's aspiration. But I see her getting infected with the urbanist gene in a sense that we'll be sitting at a street signal somewhere and she'll say, boy, that is really a stupid design. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh no, what, what have I done to this child? Do you have moments like that? Oh Lord. My son is, is a, is an incredible urbanist. He's such an urbanist that whenever we get in the car, which is very rarely, yeah. I hear why, why are we getting in the car? Why aren't we walking up to the store? I don't understand. It's just a mile. Sweetie, I hurt myself. I'm on crutches. I think it would be hard <laughs> Can to do Can mommy the... just please drive once? <laughs> um, and so, you know, I I prefer to walk and bike right. uh, and to use transit. Oh, yeah. When he was a little baby, we used the train system to go back and forth to work. Uh, he and I would bike to the metro, and he had a stuffed animal, mommy tiger, that he carried. And, I, and he was like, but mommy, mommy tiger needs a helmet so i took a piece of you know tupperware plastic and we put and we oh, made sure, a helmet sure. for uh, for mommy tiger so we've been a strong kind of a bike advocate uh and walking family for for a while so he it's not what he wants to be he is an urbanist yeah. he he has these huge arguments with his dad uh about i'm an urbanist it's not my mother's influence it's who i am why can't you accept me for who i am i'm an urbanist <laughs> 
he has he has taken on Andreas and some of the founders in, in, yeah. in some pretty good debates. Um, and he absolutely will tear apart street design uh, sure. and the rest of it. He's absolutely fantastic. But what he wants to be, he wants to be an environmental lawyer. Um, but uh, we can't decide between that and marine biology. Yeah. He mostly wants to fight for the underdog and to give a voice for those who don't have voices. And uh, I, I couldn't be prouder of him. That's and whether he does that or not, I, yeah, I yeah. don't really care. I just yeah. fully support him. I just, uh, I, you have a beautiful son, and I, I love, I read all the social articles about how we're disconnected today, and, you know, social media is not a, a proxy for real relationships. But yet, I think when you have relationships with people where you get to see them once or twice a year and have a conversation, but then you can keep up with them that way. It, I think it, it creates a, a more intimate bond. I mean, I feel like I know your yeah. life and your family a little bit and in a beautiful way because he's, he's a cool kid. I hope I get to meet him someday. He's a, he, he has been begging me to come to a, a Congress for years. He's like, take me out of school, mommy. Take me out of school. So he really wants to come. My kids want to go on our trips all the time. It's really hard, though, to be honest, of the, the push-pull. Like, he came to the Sprawl Retrofit Summit in Miami because it was the start of spring bake. And it's it, you can't always be in mommy mode and then CEO mode. Totally. It, it's really, we, really hard. So it, the problem he that, still needs a mommy. So The problem that I have is that I've brought the girls on, on trips um, just one at, one at a time. And when I know they're, when, when it's a good trip for them, like when it's on summer break or what have you, I will bring them, but then I plan in things for them. So we'll go to the Marine Aquarium. We'll go to, we brought one to Disney World. I think now they think that like, that's what I do. You know, like <laughs> dad's going on another trip. Uh, yeah, Disney World, you know, and, and, and they're kind of like, when I get home, they're like, well, what did, you know, what did you do? And. Like, well, I, I gave a talk and then I met with this group and then we had a long meeting and then I went back to the hotel and like, yeah, but what, what did you do? <laughs> well, you see, you're a better parent than I am. I don't schedule um, fun things. You know, it's like, all right, I've got to, uh, Oliver, I just, I just have to do and we, and you know, we'll call it, I, I just have to do my CEO thing and then, and then I can go back to being mommy. Yeah. Um, but that, that I, I will be honest, the last couple of years, it has been some tension oh, with, yeah. with that because you know, I'll get phone calls at night. Um, from well, you and I have talked at night. This is not a, th this is not a nine to five job. No, it's not. Or there's, there's an email or there's something that I need to do. And last weekend in particular, getting ready for the Congress, he's like, mommy, this is my last weekend with you in a, in a couple of weeks. I, I want to go out and play. I was like, I'm sorry, sweetie. I just need to answer this. I'm tired of you always working. Right. And so it's a constant, it's a constant balance and struggle. And, and my greatest fear is that when I'm 90 years old, um, that, that he'll have, or actually when he's 25 or 30, that he'll have a bunch of resentment against me and the job that I've done, even though the members are like, I really love what you're doing. You're taking the organization <laughs> in a great direction. And he's going to say, yeah, but I, at the cost I, of what? I, I feel like that, um, I see it in my daughter too. And, and I, I realize that our kids are in many ways, a reflection, you know, like the, the, the echo. And I always try to look at like the good in them. And the, the social justice part of my oldest particularly is, is incredibly strong. And I'm like, I, I don't know where that came from. I hope that came from me, but I, I love seeing it in you. And I just hope that it is a force for good, <laughs> you know, always because yeah, you know, you, you always feel kind of inadequate as a parent. I'll tell you what we'll do. Maybe not next year, but maybe the year after 
We'll be in Savannah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Maybe we can find, like, we'll both bring our, <laughs> our kids. They will be at that awkward social age where, like, a boy and a girl, like, won't want to hang yeah, out together. Yeah, they'll both be 15. Yeah, they will. So they'll be like, um, I don't talk to, you know. But then, but we can trade off. Like, all, they can come hang with me for a while. Uh, they can, you know, we'll integrate them in and just, like, see, like, see how they do. They'll be fine. Everybody here will look after them. Plus, at 15, they'll be like, whatever. <laughs> right? Mommy, you just really blew that, Steve. <laughs> so he's, he's, my, uh, he's my biggest, uh, biggest fan and my, and my deepest critic. When, I, when yeah. I really screw something up, he'll like, Mommy, you didn't nail that. You've done better. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, you know, I brought Chloe to a talk once, and um, I got done. And, uh, you know, I'm dad fishing for compliments. I'm like, hey, how'd you, how'd you like that? And did you like dad's talk? And she's like, oh, is it over? <laughs> <laughs> like, wh- what? And she's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't even know. You, you, she was reading her book. Like, okay, well, dad is so dynamic. <laughs> I know, but you know, I'm really glad that you, that you brought up, you brought up my son and, uh, and your daughter and your. Well, it's such an important part of who you are. It is. I'm, I'm a single parent. I've been a single parent for the last uh, 12 and a half years. And it has framed me. We, were t- we had dinner last night with Jonathan Rose. And, uh, and being a single parent, raising, raising a child on your own, you, you get a sense of how important community is and how the, the neighborhood fabric can actually facilitate that. Because there, there is no backup. Um, when, when I need help, there's, there's no one else I can turn to. So I turn to my neighbors when he needs help. If I'm, you know, running late because the train was late or something along those lines and you know, the, the transportation system or whatever fell through other people have, have stepped up and we've been able to form deep relationships with our neighbors and, and not only proximate, um, but because we live in this, this gridded street and we're always out walking, we know a whole bunch of people. I have no qualms of him going out. Walk. There's so many people that know him um, and that, ha- that have stepped up to, to help me and, and that I've stepped up to, to help as well. You know, and during Blizzle, I was like, you've got to go. You've got to go over to Mrs. Brown's house and go shove her walk. She can't go. You know? Sweet. It's like, yeah. oh, I don't want to. It's like, no, no, go. you do. It's you, the right you, thing to do. Just, yeah. And that, yeah. and that, that's the piece that we sometimes lose when we're talking about quality Absolutely. of life and what we're doing because we are, we are creating community in the truest sense of the word um, of helping one another through this crazy journey called life. And, and I don't ever want to lose, lose sight of that in, in our work at CNU, and I certainly don't want to lose sight of that in my own life. Right. Lynn Richards? Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank I feel you, really honored because you are the busiest person here. <laughs> and to take, you know, 39 minutes and chat with me, I, I really am grateful. No, thank you so much, Chuck. And I'll see you again next year. I'll see you again next year. Thank you. Take care. We need your help. If you think the Strong Town's message is important, don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on. You can get more information and sign up to be a member of Strong Towns at strongtowns.org. Drastic times require what? Drastic measures, yes! Who said that? They know that America's one big pothole right now. Bill, 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 Bill. That's the story. Chuck Marone, this has been fascinating. Who made the city?
I like you. I like your vision of the of the world. The United Nations Earth Summit Agenda 21. Yeah. 